yeah, yeah. And I guess like <clears throat> I I know we we initially wanted to talk about something else, um, but then I I kind of was working on this roadmap, and then I I sort of I wrote down the things that we want to do um, to move along. And during writing this, I came like, okay, probably the next best thing then is to define the problems that we come like that that would come with this or the things that we want to solve for when we write down the stuff that we want to do. So let's say we want to launch this, um, I don't know, consulting thing and um, we're decentralized. So a really good thing would be to... Um, Okay, hey, mute. <laughs> what he's doing there? But I'll I'll put him on mute. Anyway, so go. I got distracted by Jason cleaning up his uh his room there. <laughs> anyway, so um yeah, I guess like we we uh let's say we were running this like we we want to do this consulting thing, and in order to do this consulting thing, um we kind of have to in this decentralized world, you know, when you're on Discord, there's people joining you've never met, you might never meet. And you've got no idea. You don't have a job interview with them. You don't, you don't know anything about them. You don't have a, a contract with them. So <clears throat> what, one of the ways you can solve this when you put them on a customer project, like a client project that's going to pay for them. So that was kind of like one of these first questions. And I had so many more. Um, and then I guess like yesterday, we had a really cool call with, uh, with, with the community. And one of the guys... He talked like a lot about airline miles and um, and how at McKinsey and other big consulting firms they uh, yeah incentivize more senior members by letting them pay um, you know like if you be I yeah I'm just I'm just quoting him now I, I've got no idea how it really works out there but but if you become a partner then you kind of have to deposit money and um, that will then, yeah, like carve something out of, like you will have to pay that money. They will even give you a loan um, to do that, but you'll kind of have put like some chips on the table and with that have skin in the game. And that's something that um, th that you have to do if you want to become a partner and becoming a partner obviously means you get more access to um, more more pay in, in consulting, right? And you got like client relationships and stuff like that. So I thought like that, that that was something that was really cool um that we could build into um in, into our side as well right you could have people stake some tokens um oh. to yeah become a core contributor yeah i think following the following the model of like the consulting firms or law firms you know like the partner model like i guess you start as like a, an associate you become then like a, I don't know, full consultant over time. And then you can eventually, if you perform well and you bring in, I think bringing in business is also often a key factor in these things. Yeah. Um, then you might be offered a partnership and then that offer, that usually entails some buy-in. <clears throat> so I think all, all three of us have not experienced this, but we've had uh, several people pop up on Discord um, just explaining that in some detail. And I mean, and it makes sense, right? Because the, it goes back to the principal agent uh, problem that you guys talked about in an earlier episode. You wanna you wanna transfer somebody from being an agent who doesn't have any skin in the game who can just show up, uh, potentially do something that's damaging to your reputation. Maybe not show up to a client call or 
you know, write something that simply isn't true <laughs> or some other things, uh, act somehow on behalf of the organization, but misrepresent it. Um, yeah. And then there's nothing really you can do about it. So that's why you want to make sure. That, so this is one aspect, right? This is just one aspect. So then if there are principles, if they have ownership stake in the organization, then they wouldn't do that because it would hurt their, it would hurt their pocketbook, so to say, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they're because they either they would like own tokens, and if if the reputation is severely damaged, then um, people would maybe start selling tokens, like selling shares, right? Or mm -hmm. they would <clears throat> have them staked somewhere, and like Ethereum works in a similar way, or the the Ethereum two, uh, what they're or like every proof of stake system, right? So if someone does not um, adhere to protocol and doesn't validate blocks on uh, on time or go offline, they can have their stake slashed. That's what it's for, right? So you stake a certain amount of money and with ETH, it's like 32 ETH um, that you have to stake to become a validator. And then if you go offline then and miss validating um, blocks or do stuff that the network asks of you, then uh, yeah, your stake can be slashed. They can take away from that. And I think that's also a powerful mechanism that you could do. Question then is like, who decides on that? Like who would be, you know, yeah. Would people trust the the three of us kind of to say like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to uh, slash your stake and take away three ETH because you damaged the reputation and he might not think he's damaged the reputation. Right. That's always the problem. Kind of, it has to then be like a consensus mechanism, a voting mechanism or something. Right. That would have Especially, to be it's going to be subjective, subjective items, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. The core contributor community, so to say, would definitely have to. It would have to almost be like a trial, <laughs> like you both sides yeah. get to present their case and then they vote on it in a way. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but so true. this yeah. is like the this is like the extreme case, right? So putting this this mechanism in place where there is a there's a potential threat and maybe it's not even a you know I don't think it has to be necessarily a big threat because I don't think you know I don't think you need really fear to reign I think just aligning the incentives for reward is in my experience the most powerful thing you can do and then keep the threat like however if you really screw up there is something we have you know we have some recourse yeah that's like in the footnotes you know but I think together that makes a really powerful system so like in the in the consulting firm or the law firm, I, I would assume people buy into the partnership mostly because it entitles them to a much bigger chunk of bonuses, for example, right? So there's a yeah. there's a better correlation between business they bring in and money they get to take home. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that is that's what's probably driving that much more than um, oh, if I mess up, then there's recourse. Eh, that's like you know that's a small risk they're willing to take. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think like the carrot. Is a better driver than the than the stick in a lot yeah. of cases. Yeah, for sure. So, but so we kind of went to the most complicated case first, right? So the consult. So we have these different work streams: uh, content education, consulting, and DAO structure. And we're kicking off content first because it's very much what what attracts the most members to the DAO, but also has been bringing in opportunities uh, for consulting and other gigs. So I think we're also, so we're starting with that because it helps us, um, but then it'll also, it's also an easier case, I think, to think through. So maybe we can kind of roll back a little bit and think through through that one first. 
the content. Yeah. Um, so to me, <clears throat> and maybe I'll I'll just have a you know if if I look at the the roadmap that I've that yeah. I've written out, that was just like a brain dump. What I thought, you know, and and in terms of on the on the content side, what I see like it, to scale would be <laughs> just go from one to many because currently all the content is produced like not all like this podcast is now produced by three people um not only me so we're we're three um so that's good but in, in terms of articles and twitter and and youtube videos and all of that i'd like to move that to more people right to to get more people to do this kind of stuff and the natural question is then how can you how do you incentivize these people like how do you get them to to create content for us and one of the things that definitely comes to mind for me is like, we don't have any content yet, right? Uh, sorry, we don't have any token yet. So it can't be a token that's driving the people that already come in and create something. So um, last last week we had somebody in the community who asked, uh, he was talking about Frax, um, a stable coin on uh, Ethereum. And he then kind of was interested in doing a diagram. So I've got, we've got all these diagrams on, on uh, tokenomicsdao.com. And uh, I, I suggested like, why don't you do a diagram for Frax? If you're interested, that'd be something that'd be super valuable. I could put it onto the, onto the site. And he did it. He created it, right? I didn't give him any carrot. I didn't like, I don't have a stick for that. I can't do anything um, to <laughs> punish him because he's just like voluntarily showing up and doing something. So it's, yeah, he just did it. And there's not, n- nothing at all. So what would be driving this guy, right? Maybe next time he can come on and we can ask him. But I think like in one way, <clears throat> he, he's already seen how most of these communities um, in Web3 work or in crypto work. Like people come in and show up. And then with that coming in and showing up, you kind of build this reputation and what this reputation then does. And this is what you were, you've been explaining, Lovis, right? This reputation then lets you without any written down contract, without any written down um, ranks internally, it still lets you somehow climb these ranks because people maybe just subjectively realize that this guy has done something and they've seen him around at Discord and he's created a bunch of content. And then next time um, uh, a paid gig comes around, maybe in consulting or a, a big piece needs to be written for the platform and we have some money to, to spend on that, we might need reach out. We we might reach out to him, right? So that might be enough of an incentive already. Just this reputation system. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, you've built up a, a you know several hundred followers on different uh, content platforms, and I think just you know getting published on some of those is is a huge incentive, right? True. Yeah. And uh, producing work and having people who have some experience, review it and get feedback on it. That's valuable. Um, yeah. And, you know, for, for a lot of people channeling their curiosity into something productive, creative, actually producing something is also very rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, maybe for that, you don't even, you don't even, I don't know, maybe you need a token at some point, you need to pay them for something because people also need to pay their bills um, in the end of the day. <clears throat> but I mean, the only way, I can see us doing this for now would be like with a minted token um, of the DAO, right? We kind of do this, we raise time from these people. We give them this token that we have minted for no cost and reward them with that and hope they 
that that's enough in in return for their work so that could be that could be something but yeah like that that was just like one of the 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 thought tracks that i had you know how do you um and then also like this this whole train behind it let's say somebody comes and writes an article and it's not high quality um how how can you ensure that it, like people just publish or like like come back to us with work that's like really really good that's their best um you know and and they've they've given given it a lot of effort they've tried really hard and it's really the the best they can do how how can we how can we achieve that how do we get there and what would that be and i was kind of like thinking i don't know what what would motivate me like certainly for me a, a very strong motivation would be if i if i could be published on a very big platform right and i would let, let's say they've got like hundreds and thousands of followers and readers and I, i i would get the chance to be published there if the piece that i sent through was really good and it didn't necessarily have to do a lot of editing i'd probably do a lot for that even if i even if i wouldn't get paid just to get published there right because it gives me readers and um like it's really cool if people read your stuff you know <laughs> if you spend a lot of time on writing and nobody reads it that's kind of not not so cool so that might be enough for for this um but then on the other side it's kind of like you need to grow the the platform first like to have enough followers and readers to make that attractive for a lot of people yeah i i'm yeah i'm kind of still thinking through what would be the the best way to to optimize for that you know and and then things come to mind like how do you how do you update or how do you ensure like content keeps stays up to date um how do you make sure that like this like let, let's say we have a like a whole bunch of people in the dow and they all kind of go about and write something i don't know if that's if that that would be the right thing that maybe we need some mechanism to align them along something um like the a dow messaging or or our brand or we have some some guidelines you know that and, and i guess like some sort of incentive system to get them to to like not just go ahead and and create this work on their own but like talk to each other some align it um would also be good so there's all these problems i'm yeah kind of that i see with scaling this content production and um yeah i don't know how maybe real publishing houses or uh content writers how they do it you know or freelancers i mean freelancers obviously they would just like get paid right <laughs> um if they if they do the job so in our case i guess a, a big part of it would be the the mission let's say quote unquote mission right of what is the tokenomics dao about and if it's attractive people come and they want to be part of that they want to put their energy behind that uh that message and to push it along in whatever direction right um so you know having a good manifesto that allows people to know okay roughly and specifically like broadly and then also down to some micro levels right like what is it that this dao is trying to achieve 
um, then they're they're boundaryed, and then they know okay within this boundary, they can actually they they've got free reign within this boundary to try and make something of value, right? Then it's up to to us somehow to then filter through and make sure these pockets of value get built up in a nice coherent way, right? That multiplies and leverages. So I think the the sticks and carrots are super important, but also the overarching um, mission, right? To, to to bind everyone together, the call to arms somehow has to be has to be a, a clear one, a good one, right? The story, right? The overall yeah. story. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So it's something. It's it's a bit of a you know secret sauce sort of thing right you have to get it right and and once you do you're hoping that you know the people will come because they they believe in it then they want to be part of that tribe you know yeah i mean how do you do that right well i mean it's already happening right but at the moment um, if it's not defined then people kind of project whatever they think into it um so yesterday in the consulting call you know uh every something one thing that always comes up is well is it cons is consulting focused on builders or investors it's like well it can be either right the first people that approached us for gigs were builders to trying to build a protocol or a DAO, um, and we help them with that but then it can also be an investment fund who says hey i want to put substantial money into some of these protocols which one which one should I do, right? Based on your tokenomics analysis, like that could all, you know, that's a equally valid question. Um, and then a third person comes in and says, you know, DAOs are super hot right now and people are trying to build and structure their DAOs, just like these guys here. <laughs> um, and how do you do that efficiently? And can we help them set these up and design the tokenomics and you know, kind of also give them like a strategy roadmap, how you build a community and all these things. Um, because so this person was a consultant for I don't know for who, but uh, they said, you know, there's there's going to be huge opportunity to do this if we can kind of offer like the, the DAO package almost, you know. Um, so what I mean, what I'm trying to say is, if you if we don't define it, like if the core group doesn't define it, then uh, people just come in and project and they'll they think oh this is what this is about right yeah and this that can be great because it can be super super wide um but getting to some substantial depth is probably going to be difficult if you try to attack everything at the same time yeah 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 <clears throat> but i think we've like, done yeah. a good job with the with the manifesto kind of setting some you know, I mean, not ground rules and not rules, but like making some statements, I guess. And um, now it's you know, we're like on a on a on a mission building, on a missionary trip, <laughs> so to say. Try to figure yeah. out to define it more closely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think like I I guess like the the manifesto is I really like it. It's 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 really cool, but I, I'm still like how would that incentivize someone like and how do you how do you go on from there like how do you what else is needed like you know jason you brought this up like the narrative what else is 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 needed to spin this narrative you know how do you um 
how do you become a narrative builder so that we have a really cool narrative that at the end, um, that might be enough to drive a lot of people to, to do stuff and, and, and work, work on this, right? Mm. Yeah, I guess um, having a template to see how, like if I was someone new, right, I somehow stumble across tokenomics DAO, I read the manifesto and I think, wow, these guys, they're pretty cool. What they're trying to do is, you know, I'm interested in it as well. Yeah, maybe I'll write something. I guess there's also that um, inertia to get over, right? To, to be, to create for somebody for the first time, to make relationships, to join that Discord group, to figure out, hey, what do I need to do, right? Uh, so maybe having some sort of template so that they, they know, oh, this is how a previous contributor has done it. And after he's done it, this is what he gets. Like he, you know, he's been published here and there, how many views he's got, they give tokens, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like uh, that's something we could also do to make sure that um, whoever's new when they're coming in, They've got that that drive to do something, but hopefully there's no, not too many roadblocks that stops them from actually creating, you know, and seeing how, let's say, if if maybe you know we can have dashboards or something like that in the group to show, hey, this was the last guy who contributed. This is his piece number three, you know, he joined when. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I'm not sure exactly. I can't say exactly how it should be done. I mean, maybe I think a, a lot of it's trial and error. And maybe there could be a way for like people who've gone through, like, you know, we're starting this cohort where um, we're trying to take a month or so to bring people through this first cycle and give them the chance to become contributors. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we came up with this like proof of work where we've, we're kind of saying like, hey, you need to produce something. You need to show us that, that, that you are keen on the one side, but also that you can deliver something of quality. And that will, it will kind of be a, a gate for us then to decide and say like, yeah, I think this, this guy's ready. He seems to be committed enough and he seems to have some experience. Um, this would be a good fit to become a contributor. And maybe a way it could be then, because that's what you're saying, right? Somebody who's made it to this contributor rank, or maybe even further, that um, we could get then them in a way to to run the next cohort, and and or or like like we we can do the next cohort again, but maybe we can get them to come on and and talk about it, how they've made it up, and and things they've done, right? Um, and yeah, what were the roadblocks that they and how did they manage to 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 get over them, right? And they can even act in in some ways as shepherds to help these new guys come come through, you know. And I think that's also something we should think about, like how to incentivize these guys who have already um, done something, right? How do we incentivize them to help others do it in their own way, you know? So that's something we can we can also think about. Yeah. So um, Flo, I tried to share my screen, but I'm not able to. But I was gonna put up the basically that uh, chart, the flow chart that we built the last few days with the proof of work, because I think Jason hasn't even seen the latest version of it. 
Um, Medio co-host. I'm not co-host. I'm not sure if that uh, um, that helps. Yep. Didn't find helps. the. Okay. There you go. Yeah. So um, long description of how to become a contributor, but basically it's all distilled into this flowchart, Jay. So yep. proof of work. Um, proof of work means you either create something of value that's new or you share something that you've already done because you know mm -hmm. so lots of people have written already cool stuff and um, it would just be a matter of kind of you know coming in joining the cohort and say hey look this is what I made and it improves their skill level right it's it's all about mm -hmm. quality right level one is proof of quality and so this kind of gives you then access to um what we call shadow mode right now so you're not a full contributor yet but you get access to a lot of it you get to kind of see behind the scenes and you can contribute in many ways by helping doing kind of back office uh, tasks or maybe being a co-author on some pieces um then here so in this this level two is all about proving your commitment right so because only because you can write and you have knowledge doesn't mean that you're committed to showing up um over and over again right mm -hmm. and once we're so then I, I guess we haven't like clearly defined necessarily what then the step is to get to level three um and you would you know you probably join one of these work streams right so these are the four work streams and say right now we're discussing kind of the content one um and then once there's like a, a reputation established and trust that you are both high quality and committed then you would become a full contributor and then here you know, we had yesterday kind of this really good idea popped up that this also shouldn't be permanent, right? That there should be some sort of expiration on this. Um, if you say you make core contributor and you do some stuff for a month or so, but then you completely, you know, lose track and you ghost us for three months or something, then it should kind of drop your level back so that you have to kind of, you know, start over in a way. And, and you know, Jason. But then, yeah. Oh, sorry. So just, just to bring that up, like, because I, I thought it was super interesting, the idea about that or the idea from that came from um, airlines, <clears throat> you know, and mm -hmm. you, you've, you've been on, on Chris flying gold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you don't fly yeah. for a year, then you're gone. You don't, you don't get into the lounge and you have to fly some more. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. That, that's, and I, I think there's so many other ways, not only McKinsey, but airlines and um, many other ways where you can borrow from to to build up something like this so yeah sorry yeah, so, for interrupting i just wanted to yeah, no, bring this no, in. not at all <laughs> so and so we have these heat on both sides right so there's a potential to drop back all the way to like guest level almost um and then i guess so then so i presented this yesterday flo you presented this in, in at least one call that i was in and then um people are like yeah cool like how does the token weave into this so once we have um, a token or even a dummy token like doesn't really matter so for that purpose how does it play a role because some people are like well can i kind of skip this part if i stake tokens for example or is it an additional requirement like for example to join the cohort you have to show your work but you also have to say stake whatever x tokens um and as so my so just an observation my vibe is that people are more than willing to do it they're excited about it because of the prospect that it you know if you stake a token and you also know that you're putting in work you have now you have a direct correlation between effort you put out and potential value increase for your token and i think that that in itself is a huge incentive because 
So I know it is for me because so far I've kind of always felt like I'm a little on the outside looking into crypto space because I felt blocked by the fact that I'm not a developer, I'm not a coder, right? So I was like, oh man, like how can I ever contribute in this meaningfully without having, you know, without having the skill to like build my own protocol or my own smart contracts or my own DeFi app or something like that. But so as it turns out in the DAO, you very much have the opportunity to produce value and have it tied to a token in some form. Um, and that's that's awesome, right? That's super cool. So if I put whatever, $1,000 worth into these, this token, stake it, and then I work my butt off to make this awesome and I bring in all my friends and I recruit more people and I bring in business, then now I know, whoa, like, you know, I'm bringing in so much business, like my token value is going up and up. And then in addition, there's of course also just straight up reward for work, right? Well, we can pay people to do work and then there will be client engagements where clients pay. So, uh, I mean, I think the incentive structure is, and the upside potential is huge, right? Yeah, and maybe that would even like give you access to, <clears throat> let's say you stake your tokens and the assumption now is like just that the token price goes up, but maybe um, staking your tokens and do that for a sufficiently long enough time would would give you access to a share of the revenues that we make, right? So every consulting gig, <clears throat> we of course want to pay the consultants, um, but since we've done the connection and we have this whole reputation framework built up as part of the DAO, I think the DAO should get a piece of this, right? And um, of this consulting revenue shouldn't be a huge piece, but um, a bit, and maybe that bit and other income streams that we have could then be distributed to people um, that have had, that have staked their tokens maybe for the longest amount of time um, or they would get a bonus on that like the longer they have staked their tokens um, so I think there's some cool cool ways you you, you could you could do this <clears throat> to make yeah, sure I mean, that people yeah, are really happy with this <laughs> and stay. you can you can pay a yield on tokens right so that their holding increases over time and then that might be a very simple way to basically reward the long-term holders more but you're thinking more like maturity right so you you're like well if you stake it for three years even if it's a smaller amount that's worth more than if somebody comes in and stakes 10 times that for a month i'm always thinking about about fairness right because <clears throat> i don't really like this these models where the guy who has um the largest amount of capital can like easily fork out. I mean, of course he's taking risk and he has opportunity costs in that. Um, but I also think it's worth rewarding um, the duration somebody's willing to, to lock up. And that kind of in like in hindsight duration. And I, I read this interesting article today and the guy argued like that um, <clears throat> there's these models where you lock up your tokens into the future and he didn't really like that model um, that much. I said the, the article you linked on Trello. Yeah, yeah. The I think VE so. token. Trial. Yeah, the v, yeah, VE token. Versus yeah. alternative. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that so was the, interesting read. Yeah, it definitely was. Yeah, we can link it in the show notes. And <clears throat> so, the, yeah, I guess what he was, what he was doing um, or what he was saying is like this and, and this again is like kind of like in the corporate world um, because the, the, the employees that have been with a company for a long time 
they're usually quite valuable, right? Because they know the ins and outs of the, of the company. And um, they've just gained a lot of experience on how the thing works. They're, they might have some like downsides in and of, in and of themselves. And maybe they, they like <laughs> become too accustomed with the company or have become lazy. Um, but yeah, I think all in all, they're really valuable assets. So like people who've staked their token for a long time, maybe they could deserve a bit more of the share that we get, right? So that's kind of what he advocated for that, <clears throat> that holding your tokens or staking your tokens for a longer amount of time will give you more access to a boost. So anybody can just withdraw their tokens, um, but then they will have to start from zero again, building up this like boost level that you get maybe from, from revenue share. And that's kind of this gentle model. It's not this like hard locking up um, like a VE token model does. Um, well, it's, it's not a time capsule where you have to put it in and you know you won't be able to get it for a year. It's, yeah, it, you can withdraw any time, but the longer you stake, the better the reward. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah that's cool. I like that. Yeah. I think that would that's kind of, kind of like the Satoshi's Bitcoins have never been moved kind of a thing. <laughs> like, you, well, you can almost, you can like, uh, it's like, well, it's, and then somebody will, like in 10 years, somebody will look at like, oh my gosh, this this wallet all of a sudden is moving their tokens to an exchange. Like what's happening? Flow is cashing out. <laughs> that, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that's a good thing then. <laughs> <laughs> if you sell. No, but it, the point is it will be transparent, right? Just like a... Um, yeah. Just like a disclosure for if a CEO buys or sells stock in his own company, uh, it has to be disclosed. I think that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, but maybe while we're at this chart, maybe we can maybe we can look into this and we can think about a few examples of how yeah. this particular thing would be done in the real world, right? So, <clears throat> this and and this is really a problem that I had was like in consulting, right? You 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 usually. You have a customer that signs a deal with you for a project, and then that that deal, there's all sorts of legal stuff, and they say, "Hey, you, you gotta you gotta deliver this thing until um, this point in time, and um, if you don't, you'll have to pay uh, a fee or fine or and whatnot, and all all that happens, and then basically one company, the consulting company, commits to the client to delivering it, right? So they'll do everything in their power to then, um, yeah, make sure that, that that project is a success, basically. And so the thing I was thinking, like, how can we, how can we do that um, in, in this decentralized world where you have no one that you actually know? There's maybe not even contracts between the two parties. Um, and you... Yeah. How do you, how do you trust the consultants that you put onto the project? Like, like for, okay. For, for once they would have climbed these ranks. So they would have to put in, they would have put in proof of work to get to the rank of core contributor within, within the DAO. Right. And by the time they've reached this rank of core contributor, then they've spent a lot of time to get there. So if they now, get into a customer, a client project, and they see 
it kind of goes sideways when she hits the fan and they're like, oh God, I don't want to deal with this. Um, for them, then it's like, they have to decide, I'm going to give up my the reputation and all this I've worked for to become a core contributor and maybe pull through this project or, or maybe pull through this project, right? So that's kind of giving this up or not. But is that enough kind of to pe keep people going on this thing? Because like also they wouldn't get paid for the project, but that's like a short-term thing. You can say like, yeah, well, okay, I'm going to miss on the on the 10K that I get for the delivery of this project, but um, I don't have the stress either, right? Um, so there was a, well, it's been in the game from climbing the ranks, I guess. That's the first thing, right? And it, the reputation is on the line, the basically, right? Yeah. And then, but there's also another thing. So just, this is another idea that um, uh, one of the people yesterday on the call brought in was even within the core contributor level, there can be, there could still be even more ranks. <laughs> there could be yeah. like senior partners, so to say that are, they're not really running client projects. They just managerial, like not managerial, but like if, if a consultant has a problem, they would be available to help, right? So rather than them ghosting the client, they would have somebody to turn to and say, hey, help me fix this. Um, and, you know, I think typically if, if somebody makes it to that level where they're trusted with, uh, you know, acting like a principal, I think that you really, I think, I, I, honest, I, I honestly can't imagine that it would be a problem uh, if, given that they had to go through this process and they have also capital at stake. Um, and especially if the premise is not that they would go off and run a project by themselves either, right? It would be, hey, there's a client project, build your team from, uh, you know, shadow mode people for back, back office stuff and maybe add some more core contributors to it, to your team and you guys do it together. And then that is also, that is also again, like a, mechanism for accountability in a way right mm -hmm. if uh, if nobody knows that you screwed up then did you really screw up <laughs> but if you're working in a team then i think it makes it even so what you're saying is like you kind of don't need this whole legal structure that mckinsey and deloitte and accenture have or like the employment contracts and stuff like that um well i think you need them as far as making clear what the rewards are for which actions and for delivering what, you know, what work and what kind of to, to also communicate the expectations. I think you do need them for that. I, I would be surprised to find out that, you know, McKinsey has to litigate against their former employees regularly because of missteps. I think no, that really happens not. maybe in a single digit percentage, you know, so I don't low single digit percentage. So I would assume that happens very rarely. So yeah, so yes, you do need structure for the to make sure the expectations are clear. But once they're clear, I think that this this case of somebody completely messing up like on purpose, right? Messing up on purpose almost is I think is super rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in the case of like a real consulting firm, what what comes on top most of the times you meet people physically. So that's a different thing. You like meet them in person somewhere. And yeah. that 
often has like a different kind of, at least for me, you know, or you, or you see it on Twitter. There's like, there's always this, like, there's stuff you say to people on Twitter or people say to people on Twitter that they would never say in real life. Yeah. True. <clears throat> so that's something we don't, we don't really have here. We don't have that real life aspect with a lot of these people. So, yeah. You mean within the DAO or you within mean the like DAO? Yeah. 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 And then okay, is I that, mean, is there something, sorry, I just want to ask, is there something that we definitely, I mean, of course, with the nature of it, right. Where everybody's working from across time zones, far, far away. Right. But maybe is there any ability to think about maybe allow, you know, encouraging meetups and stuff for, for members of the DAO that are in the same area or that might be traveling and, you know, taking the opportunity to get to know each other face to face, maybe that helps bring this whole digital, um, uh, uh, ecosystem, you know, give it another layer of actually, you know, real life relationship, right? Building. Maybe, I don't know. It's just a brainwave, but yeah. just my add added resilience, right? Mm. What about, I, think it's, I mean, this yeah. is, this is against, uh, well, so, well, I think Jason, for sure, I think uh, meetups can and will happen, right? Like we could do a retreat doesn't have to be free, right? But we can also say, hey, we're going to the Ethereum conference in Dubai. Whoever's going, let's meet up, you know? It can be very informal. Yeah. But I don't know yeah. if it's something that's, I, I don't think you can mandate it, right, ever, because if we have people living in remote places of the world, maybe they don't have the, simply don't have the cash to travel or, the, or they have that, four kids yeah, or what, you know, whatever reason. Yeah, but, <laughs> definitely not, definitely yeah. not mandated, but just as in yeah. something to, to keep in the back of our mind to say that there are positives to it, right? Even though we're in this work mode where we rarely see each other face to face, um, yeah. there is value to meeting up if and when it's possible, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you guys think about doing uh, like, well, this, this kind of, this is like super counter to web three and it's also kind of counter non-credentialism, but what about like a KYC process where they, like once you make it to this level, we need to get a digital copy of your passport or and a bank account statement or something like that. Like what would, you, what would we use it for to sue him? To sue that person? I don't know. Like, and, and like globally, like, me here from Australia, I'm going to sue somebody in, in Brazil. I don't think that's going to work. No, it's not like, and, and especially sure. like, it's going to be some, that guy who contributes, he doesn't even have a company. It's like it being like an individual somewhere. And maybe he's not right. even, he's like completely anonymous. We don't even know who he is. So he, he definitely yeah. won't do that. <laughs> like he on purpose. Yeah. So like, even if we well, had it, I don't think it would really help. So isn't there um yeah. so you've spent quite a bit of time with bankless dow there isn't there is a core contributor who's like a cartoon octopus isn't it uh i don't know if it's at bankless dow i think it's somewhere else maybe um, somewhere else but there's a there's a bunch of people that are like anonymous or at least a few anonymous, completely in the, yeah and i i think like we, we see this a lot in crypto and web3 there's many many people who who, who choose to be that and I definitely yeah. respect that. I think that's that's yeah. totally cool. Everyone you to see himself. it even on 
you see it even on discord like i feel like a weirdo for having my real name on there yeah yeah <laughs> everybody yeah. has a handle right <laughs> yeah yeah you should choose um, something else Louis. i know but it's too late. The only thing I could ever come up with for my handle was <laughs> Bavarian because I was the Bavarian in America, but I'm no longer in America, so I can't use Bavarian anymore. And if you change your handle, you'd have to claim ranks again, right? So, <laughs> so, um, but so what do you guys think about this? Like this, it's still fresh and new, right? It's not really very established, but like on-chain reputation, reputation checks are becoming a thing, right? So where you can have your credentials, so to say, on-chain um and it can be completely anonymous and we can also contribute to those right so this is another thing that we didn't mention yet so for going through the cohort for example you can also get a proof of attendance like a digital proof of attendance to your wallet for example which can yeah. also help you build reputation for other projects theoretically right because it's like hey if somebody is a core contributor at bankless dow or one i don't know this i don't know that many <laughs> then and they would come in and say, hey, I love what you guys do. Can I can I contribute? We probably, it would kind of be difficult to make like this very established person jump through all these hoops, right? So maybe their reputation somewhere else counts for ours mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm, like I really like this like on-chain on -chain reputation because like especially I think the really cool aspect for, for us personally would be that like you know we, we said that we said earlier that um a core contributor not running away on a client project that goes sideways he he wouldn't do that or the the driver for him to not do that would be that he essentially has his reputation on the line now yeah. if we also know his like outside reputation or the reputation would be on chain in a way um yeah maybe that would even expand it beyond that. I'm just trying to think through how that would work. Could we send him an, yep. an NFT in his wallet <laughs> or an, an, like a non-transferable token that he can't send away that says like, this guy has fucked up a project um, yeah. and he can't get rid of it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so yeah, definitely. I think yep. on-chain reputation yep. checks is cool. Somebody has that and, and you know, has like a, there's this Degen score um, website, you know, you can go there and log in with your ETH wallet, and then they generate some kind of DGEN score based on what you've done in the ETH ecosystem, like what yeah. yield farming you've done. And I mean, because they can, they can see it all in, they could see it all on chain. So yeah. if somebody then has that. Yeah, definitely. I think that'd be cool. There's also a board for cross chain they, they do like hundreds of chains and protocols yeah. and they um it's called yeah ape board and i think i don't i don't know if they have an ape score but it's very i think the idea is similar like you can like because they advertise in like ape safely like do it you know like this is a safer choice this is a yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is more crazy ape stuff so but yeah but so i guess fundamentally the problem is that these systems are all new right and what we're trying to do is also new and fresh tokenomics overall is so fresh and nascent nascent is the word that everybody likes to use um so i think we just have to jump in and, and use it right trust it in a way and say yes we're going to do on-chain reputation fully knowing that there's not going to be people who have like super well stacked you know 
resumes on chain yet, basically like digital assets representing that. But if we don't start trusting it and using it and also contribute to that, then it also will never become a thing in a way. And I guess like there's also like not a lot of things that are on chain, to be honest, you know, I, yeah. I mean, my DeFi, my DGEN score is terrible because I don't, I don't do yield mm. farming that much. And, um, but I could maybe send them my medium or my sub stack and um, that'd be something, but it's not on chain. Yeah. But then we start going down this, like, uh, you know, we kind of go against what we said in the manifesto that we're non-credential. Yeah. Well, but I guess to, to me, not credentialist means that we don't require credentials. If somebody comes yes. in and says like, I have these credentials, then that's cool. Like I'm not going to block out people that have credentials. Yeah. Um, but like we don't require them and anybody can, can come in. So if somebody has zero credentials, but he writes a brilliant piece on tokenomics, totally, man, like you, you're a contributor. And if he then hangs around and, and joins and, and uh, shadows on consulting projects, I see no reason why he would take any longer to become a core contributor than somebody who has a DGEN score of 5,000. I don't know if that's a good or a, good or a bad thing. <laughs> to me, the non-credentialism is about access, just like you said. So basically it means if you come blank, you have maybe this is the first time you find out what a DAO is. Maybe this is the first thing you do in Web3 space, which we've had people like that show up too. They say, oh, this, I'm still super new, but I'm learning. This is super interesting. Then this process basically is, is uh, guides you through to build to, to get your start right to get your reputation built up um, in our ecosystem and then by using an on-chain reputation thing we could also make it cross cross ecosystem cross whatever you call it cross chain so that's cool um, I think issuing these proof of attendance is in a way a credential right but I think it's necessary and I and the cool thing is it's not about having gone to an expensive college or having had any kind of privilege. It's literally about showing up and doing the thing. I, and yeah. I think, to me, that's, as, that's like as, as close to equity as you can come, right? Like you have like equality, equity, you know, these buzzwords, you just have, you would give anybody a chance. And if they, if they do the thing, then awesome. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally for it. Everybody should be able to like, like start and yeah. and get to that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's I think that's that's good. That will help us and help us like attract more people and, and make it really fair. Because that's I think that's really really important. I think because there's lots of people that come in to the DAO and say like, oh, I've got no idea about tokenomics, but I want to learn about it. And I always, I always think like these people are sometimes more valuable than the people who spent their whole life in, uh, uh, you know, in academia and have like formal education in economics and, and all that. Cause they might not be as committed, not as excited about this. And somebody who, who like comes in from the outside and has no knowledge, he might be willing to spend all this time to learn about it and 
know, it's, I think it's more like a, how passionate is somebody about this and willing to commit and dedicate time. <clears throat> so we can just, and that's the cool thing. This will help us like to funnel. We can sort of, in a way, filter out the, the ones that we, that we want to have join and do stuff. And the ones that don't seem to be, um, yeah, too pumped to do stuff. So what is what do you got there going through this? Well, so yeah. I just try to keep some notes over what we're talking about because I know we're going to want to <laughs> act on some of the stuff that we're talking about. So I just took a note of non-credentialism is about access, not about the reputation coming in. Now, yeah. if you have yeah. reputation coming in, that might be a way to kind of jump the ranks a little bit, but that's, uh, I think that's almost like a case-by-case -case basis. Um, but I think the cool thought is if we believe in this on-chain reputation building, digital identity thing, then that's one thing we need to weave in here, right? So by giving kind of when you pass through one of these QA filters, you get a proof of attendance of some sort or NFT or whatever it is token. And that helps you build your reputation in our ecosystem. But we'll also try to put it on chain um, that it can also potentially help you with other ecosystems as well. The problem is like, I mean, I don't want to go into this like on-chain reputation now, but I don't think there's a real solution for it yet. Mm. Um, and, and definitely NFTs are not the right thing because like, I mean, a pull-up is an NFT and NFT is transferable. So I can attend ETH Dubai and can send you my pull-up. So you can then go and uh, claim that you've been to East Dubai, whatever that's worth, and then maybe join um, as a contributor here because we say, oh, everybody who's joined East Dubai is um, definitely worth becoming a contributor. And yeah, that's something that needs to be worked on. There's some token standards that, they're, that, they're, that are um, discussed, like non-transferable tokens. Um, and potentially, uh, people could use self-sovereign identity. I'm a, yeah, I'm a big fan of that. I've written something about that. I, I can link it if people are interested on how to like do credentials with that. Um, yeah, that's a whole nother topic. I think in order for us to do that, there still needs to be some infrastructure, unless I haven't seen any latest or and greatest updates and there's something really simple and easy out there. Um, but poops are somewhat kind of like, yeah, semi semi useful for this. Okay. But anyway, like maybe sometimes it's just enough as as like an incentive, um, people for for people to to join meetings. You know, I see that a lot. Like people just collect them, like baseball cards or like stamps. Um, yeah. They join calls just to get the poops. Yeah. How do, so just drawing from your experience with other DAOs, how does Bankless do it, right? Is there is there this sort of process where you kind of have to prove your your work first or how does it work there? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's this, it's pretty much this, it's not as, as well described, I guess, as this, um, but you, I mean, there's level, there's this level one and you have to buy tokens to become a level one uh, member. And then everybody just does stuff. And then there's different roles that exist for level one and layer two people. 
and people need to apply for these roles. So the roles are just like, um, there's like a kind of like a, a job posting or somebody steps down and then the role becomes available or in a new proposal, uh, people work out that there's a new role and then, yeah, people would apply for that new role and um, it could be voted on uh, who, who gets the role. And then there's layer two. And I think this is, uh, I, I found that really cool. And I think this is something that inspired us for this like core contributor. The layer two that I ha that they have is, is something they cannot buy into. Um, you just get it at via nomination, right? So you'd, you'd work and you'd, you'd kind of like in our chart here, you'd be on this like level two proof of commitment level. You'd like keep, keep working and doing stuff and supporting projects. And it's, I think it's a really strong incentive then if you know that if I really show up all the time and I do a lot of work and I'm, I do really good work and I, I feel, feel like a, a strong role in the DAO, then at some point, somebody will nominate me to become this uh, core contributor, this layer level two. And I think this is, <clears throat> yeah, just without any tokens involved because for layer two, you don't need more tokens. You don't get paid more tokens or nothing at all. And I think um, it's just this like being nominated, uh, yeah, to this is is something that's like also like just powerful enough. Yeah, I mean it's like it's like I see it in the corporate world a lot. It's like these email signatures or job titles. You know, everybody I see now is running around as a director, um, and they just think it's really cool and important to be a director. So they work hard to be a director, whatever that means. You know. Yes. I mean you're you're also a big shot, so you are on that level, but <laughs> but, <laughs> but 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 no, I like always the, thought the early people, you know. But I've done proof I, of work, I, you know, and I've shadowed myself. I, I always thought that um so I you know I've started several smaller businesses and I always I've and I've never called myself CEO or whatever, president, you know. Because I always think it's so ridiculous. Like unless you have, I don't know, at least a couple of employees. Who are you CEOing over? You know, like it doesn't make any sense. So I just thought founder was the more appropriate thing because that's that's yes, I founded it. Does it mean it's successful? No, most of them aren't. You know, and most yeah. of mine aren't either. So <laughs> um, I unless I have like ten employees, I'm not going to call myself a CEO. Something like that. Yeah. True. But um, so this idea with the nomination and then leveling up, I think we actually had this idea before and kind of lost it a little bit. So I'm happy no, that it came back. There. I think it's still in this like uh, number four core level QA filter. Um, oh yeah, you're right. It's like core well, so there was this, there was an like, idea of either kind of completing like a capstone project, but we never defined what that could be. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, then the core promotes the candidate. Yeah, you're right. Okay, but it, so I, I guess I just forgot about it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that is a very powerful mechanism. So I joined a um, a big charity group in Texas, and you basically could join as a member. But even so, you would go to a couple of socials. There would be two socials to introduce yourself, and your job was to find a director, uh, make friends with them, and then have them nominate you to become a member. And so the simple thing that it did, and you also had to pay the annual fee, which was like, I don't know, $500 or $1,000 or something. Um, and the simple thing that it did was 
you would be driven to show up to these things because you had to meet these people because you couldn't just buy your membership. You had to get somebody to nominate you. And then the process is pretty easy. I mean, they didn't usually turn anybody away. I mean, they were happy for people to show up and volunteer. Um, But it is an instant reputation thing because now the core contributors reputation is at stake. If you mess up, right? If you come and you swear, all you do is swear and stand around and drink and you don't help <laughs> with the, with the charity tasks, then, then that, that director would probably come over and say, what are you doing? Like you're, yeah, you're here yeah. on my behalf. So that's. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a powerful thing. Um, let me see if we have any others that we can maybe <clears throat> look into. Um, yeah, I was thinking like of like often when you've done a consulting gig and you've, you, let's say you've, you've completed that successfully and you've maybe done two or three. So you have your own client base and maybe you've produced a bit of content as well. Um, right. So you kind of, you'd be ready to do your own thing. And I think it would be cool if we'd find a way to stop that know not by forcing them but by making it so attractive to stay within this ecosystem um to not do it and obviously one of the ways could be like i mean if we as a dao just don't charge that much from consulting gigs then it's kind of like a a no-brainer because they're like they're getting paid the money anyway that they work on and they have kind of this reputation and the and the and the people around but what else could we implement to ensure that somebody who's a core contributor for a while has done a bunch of projects has good connections that he doesn't doesn't leave and and start his own thing but like stays so there's one model that i know of that i know works well and it's from a uh, from a coaching business and so basically they say we pay out up to 90 percent or something of the total revenues that people bring in mm-hmm. but it's a it's a cake right it's a slice there's so many slices to this cake um and there for each to complete each client so to say from from bringing them in well, finding the lead, converting the lead, actually performing the consulting service or the coaching service, uh, maybe upselling them on other stuff. These are all steps that have an initial that have an, uh, a bonus level or a reward level. So basically, you you slice the whole engagement into four or five pieces, and if one person truly delivers all that, right? They brought the, they found the lead, they converted them, and they're delivering also the project work and closing it out or, or upselling them in the future, then they will in fact get the whole, the whole cake, right? But if they say that or if one person is super good at just bringing in leads, then maybe that entitles them to 15% of the revenue. And they might be happy with that because they're super good and can just focus on bringing in leads. Um, if you deliver the client work, you might be entitled to 50% because that's, you know, takes a lot of time and very, you know, you work with these guys for many months, um, but you but that's what it's worth, right? That's what you're going to get. And only if you also do other things, like converting them, 
So then one person might be super good at sales. They take the leads and they convert them. They sell them projects all day long. And that might be worth 15% or something, you know? But once you add all the tasks up, it adds up to say 90%. And then the rest, the 10% is for the DAO, so to say. Like, I'm not saying that that's the number. I, I personally think that actually the DAO contribution is, uh, is worth quite a bit because without all this structure and all this reputation building, um, you're basically stuck building your own reputation again for your own company or as a freelancer. It's very difficult. So but I also think from it's a client perspective, more, yeah, like they more risk for the client, yeah. right? Yeah, they have yeah. this brand at least that they can trust. They it and and this project, this this process actually, right? If we show this to clients and say like this is how our consultants are selected, that should yeah. give them confidence in, um, yeah in like potentially like doing a project with us, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm just going to do an example here to illustrate my point. Yeah, uh, yeah. What do you think, Jay? Yeah, um, it's good that we're going granular, right? And I think thinking about things, uh, when, when, when the people are actually uh, doing doing what they're doing and, and like like Flo was saying, how do we stop you know these guys from from leaving or doing something else? I, I guess when the time comes, you know having good communication with these guys to always be you know touching base with them and somehow saying, hey how, how are things going? just to get feedback i think it's also important and i don't really know how we're gonna do that you know whether what like right now all these things that we're doing the the weightings that we're giving right this 10 percent, 25 percent conversion 10 percent. like is that correct should that number be 20 should that number be five right i think we'll only know once we start um and yeah. to get that information it's really about I know how this conversation happens, say, when I'm working in a corporation, right? Like, I know if I had a team there and I had to think about how to incentivize them. I know from day to day, rubbing of shoulders, you know, talking during, you know, informally, you, you kind of get a, a feel about these things, right? But for us, trying to do this systematically, um, We'll have to think about how to get that feedback somehow. Yeah. So, but like, still for me, it's like, let's say someone is a core contributor, right? And they've delivered, they've delivered work for quite some time. They've built their own brand a little bit, maybe. They might at some point think that they can do better than this, right? So mm. they, they don't want to give 25% to the DAO they don't want to give 10% to somebody who brings in the lead because they, they say like, you know. Yeah, it's the classic thing where you just think, yeah, I could do this for cheaper. Like I could do this, I could yeah. deliver this and keep more of it for myself. Um, when you guys were talking about it, I was thinking one other very powerful motivating factor that would keep somebody within the tribe, right? Is to give them the space to build within the DAO, right? Like to say, hey, do you have any ideas? Do you want to come up with some new um, systems? Do you want to come up with some new 
you want to chase some new product uh, or build some new product or chase some new niche, right? Uh, then, then they they kind of use the DAO as a tool to create something that's their own. And then, when that happens, they don't really want to leave, right? Because why leave when you can you you have the DAO here to leverage off of, but you still get the creative space to do what you want to do, you know, or to to build to a certain vision that 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 person might have. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good point. Like, we, yeah, we could definitely make that open. Um, so, okay, so I've got another one. Um, and that's like, we, we've been talking about this flywheel um, that, that we have going, right? Um, and I, I've explained this on a lot of the meetings and the calls that we had. Um, it's this, that, we don't actually sell the consulting thing and the consulting thing wasn't the first thing that we had. We didn't go out and say like, we wanted to do tokenomics consulting. That wasn't um, a thing. It still isn't like, to me, isn't still like the, the main focus. Um, it's more on the content side. And so if, to me, it's like, this is it, like cons the content that we, that we produce is like this, is like this funnel or this gravity, this source of gravity that we have, um, where we do proof of work for the outside, right? So we do, we create great content and then somebody would read it and we think like, oh, this guy's, he's put in the work to research this. He's written about it and, and he's done all this. And um, like, I'm sure he could help us with our project. So I'll reach out to him, right? So that's kind of how the first projects that we had came about right somebody's written like read the stuff so to and then we discussed that recently and i think like it's really important that we keep this content creation going because otherwise this the the, the mechanism will stop like it, in, in some way right if we now only focus on consulting and run off and, and do these gigs that we now have or the opportunities that we have then um new ones will stop coming in because we stop producing the content so it, to me it's like this like flywheel that needs to happen so we get somebody gets to the con core contributor level and um i really want that core contributor to not only like do consulting gigs but to also share that knowledge that he has with the community by creating content and that producing that content will then again lead to um that giving us more access to more projects right because we're doing proof of work clients will see it and they will be like yeah, that's a really good article. And I've seen four of these from these guys again. I want to do a project with them, right? And that will bring us another project. So it has to be this, yeah. like, this circle. But how do we incentivize a core contributor to like share this knowledge instead of just um, instead of just like, yeah, being consultant? <laughs> how make sure the flywheel doesn't stop? I mean, couldn't we couldn't we make it like a SOP? that you know every time after um what's an slp oh, sorry standard oper operating procedure like every time after a a uh sorry you know singaporean a lot of acronyms um every time after <laughs> so um i forgot the last one <laughs> <laughs> uh 
every time after a project is concluded, right, that that there is a uh, after action sort of review, you know, what 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 were some lessons learned? What could have been done better? Uh, how how was this? Um, how how did the lead come about? How was it converted? You know, was it through a relationship? Was it through somebody reading an article, right? And during the during the project, what happened? What did we learn? Well, you know, did we have to go and get help from somebody else? Do we have to go back and and do some studying? You know, whatever, right? What are the mistakes we made? How do we make sure everyone in the DAO doesn't make this mistake again? La la la, right? And then this once this is done in a certain template, let's say the we could give the option to the contributor to write something, you know, just to put it on the on the for our records, whether we want to then put it out as content, we can still discuss, right? Like, hey, this is interesting. Do you want to write a piece on it? Um, yeah, that's the more important part. Like, it's like I think like this SOP standard operating procedure stuff. That's very important for us, like internally, to find out if if like projects go well, but the the more important stuff is like feeding that flywheel because the 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 SOP wouldn't feed the flywheel necessarily because the flywheel is more like no. an external thing, right? So yes. that would be like would almost have to be like this after you've done a consulting gig, you have to do a content piece to yeah. be eligible for the next consulting piece but, again or something like but that. But maybe maybe the guy doing consulting isn't so comfortable with producing content, right? But yeah, if yeah. he's done that SOP piece where it's a, in that template where all that information is there, we can somebody else could do that content piece, you know, and then yes. get that incentive, right? But, but he could the, come important... the podcast, right? Like maybe it's just like yeah. he doesn't like writing, he we can give them, talk, right? Yeah. We can give, could give them options. Hey, do you want to do a YouTube video? Do you want to <laughs> write a piece for for you know in 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 words do you want to come on a podcast or do you want to you know deal like like uh help another person in the DAO come up with one of those three things since if let's say you want to be anonymous or you, you're not interested at all but could you at least fill up this thing and then give this person context when he's writing or producing that piece of content yeah you know because there might be also times when uh uh, we have to remember that there might be times when a content producer, pro um, sorry, when a contributor finishes a consulting gig, let's say, and didn't learn anything, you know, it could have been something that's very simple, right? Then I don't know if then producing that content for the sake of that content would be useful yeah, for yeah. us to build our brand. And it, but maybe it doesn't need to be about the project. It could be about something else, but just like to, to keep that balance of like that, I'm just, you know, my concern is that we don't prove, like we don't produce enough content because currently consulting is where the money's at and everybody can see that. You know, everybody can yeah, see, oh, if I go into consulting, then I can get well paid by clients because I'm adding value to the clients. But that was- And it's a sure thing. It's a sure thing. You know, you do it, you know, you get it is, paid, yeah. right? Yeah. It's Content's like not thing. so linear. Content is more like the long-term oh, thing. Like it's, it's like- But this, that's an opportunity, like right? Yeah. That's an opportunity. So that's also an argument why the dark contribution has to be pretty high because we need to pay the co uh, content creators. So we funnel revenues from other sources into paying content 
producers. That but, makes complete sense. I think, but I think flow. You more. You, uh, if I hear you right, you're thinking you want this to be organic, right? So you want the person to have that, to have that cyclical thing of content plus work plus content from you know like after doing the work, learning enough to then produce a new piece of content that then gets a new piece of work, right? Yeah, because like, if it's yeah, t- taking more share off the consulting gig is for me like more of a stick, not a carrot. But I want to give the, yeah. the core contributors a carrot, if if that makes sense, right? Well, so, so maybe we, thing... we can. You, you guys have done you wake surfing before? No, I have not. Just do you waves. know what that is? But you know what that is? It's like some there's a there's a, a boat going on the on the lake, and then um, oh, I have it, cr- it cr- yeah, but it creates a wake, right? But you're not holding on to any. Um, you're not holding onto a cable or anything. You just jump off the side of the boat on a small surfboard and you ride the wake, mm. right? You've done that, Lovis? Yeah, I've done it, but I still needed a rope because the wake wasn't uh, big enough and yeah, it yeah. wasn't good enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I needed ropes and it didn't help me neither. But, um, <laughs> but I've seen people do it and they're pretty freaking good. But what I wanted to say is maybe we need that picture to show we need to get that picture somehow in front of everyone that's contributing right because the content is the boat and that boat creates the wake we then we we can then use that energy to then do consulting gigs right um so so to make it to make it very explicit right to the people that hey content's good because content is a is a multi has a yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> looks good looks good so lovis every time somebody joins discord yeah. he needs to like watch five videos on wakes wakes <laughs> yeah remember yeah. the boat content is the boat can we do a meme with exactly like, we haven't produced any memes maybe we can do a meme yeah so yeah then it creates a virtuous cycle of um sharing the knowledge the knowledge getting that knowledge out to a wider circle and therefore then having a bigger funnel to then do better consulting work right yeah yeah i agree but still i'm still and maybe you know maybe just the idea just hasn't come but that i think that that could be a really cool thing to explore because that would be really powerful if we if we get that incentive mechanism in for these core contributors to also create content and like like like, you know content is is sometimes like sounds misleading it doesn't have to be long form articles not everybody needs to be a writer does want to be one but everybody can talk um but be pretty be pretty um simple to say hey uh, added incentive is given if a contributor is asked for for consulting after a piece of his work was read or listened to or or seen right like after he, you know if if say if say somebody's watched this podcast and then goes i want lovis to do this because i've watched episode six right then lovis could do whatever he's doing and the number of tokens that he's going to get incentivized by right gets a little multiple at the end because this lead came in through piece of content that that person created or every time a lead comes in through a piece of content that somebody creates that content provider or producer gets a kickback or something yeah it's that not, could be a cool thing yeah. track. but maybe we could i mean we could survey clients we could say like hey uh 
what what was it that triggered you wanted to do yeah but then you have an incentive to get the the person in front of them to say it was their article you know yeah so yeah th that's that's impossible to track and also the reputation is not built from one piece right it's a it's a it's a collection of work that makes many it many pieces and, yeah 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 and it's a it's the the consistency builds the trust in the consumer so to say not not necessarily a single piece that's awesome right yeah yeah um that's correct and i think that's what we're going for too is consistency but so so having spoken to a consultant yesterday in the call i also being confronted with that um thing like very much saying like yeah you will also be asked to keep producing content and the question really is only is like, yeah, no problem. But what kind? Like, is it okay if I do a point of view, like 250 characters, like a, like a, like a, like a couple of tweets, you know, um, maybe I find a piece, of, an interesting published article by somebody else. And I just give my point of view on it. Boom, publish it. Is that good enough? And I, I mean, is it? Yeah. I, I guess I mean, so. Like, yeah. Yeah. As long as it's like, it, it like adds value. Yeah. And it's not just something, oh, this is such a cool idea, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, no, it has to be, well, this yeah. is interesting yeah. because it applies to X, Y, Z, and that's why it's helpful yeah. for yeah. clients yeah. or for yeah. us. Or, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I think yeah, this is simple. I mean, it's, it's, I think, I think it will be easy to get people to understand why this is important. Um, but then also for, because another question also was so for proof of work in the beginning to get into the funnel, does it have to be content <clears throat> or could it also be, um, you know, because we'll have a marketing deck here ready soon. If somebody goes out and finds us a project that's, you know, they, they need help, they want to pay. So they bring in a client. Could that also be considered proof of work? Hmm. It's like yes, if you write about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you bring them on the podcast, I don't know. It's a good question. I don't have an immediate answer for it because, uh, I mean, we're not really hiring salespeople. Yeah, but there's there's people who are good at sales who are going to want to do that. They're going to want to contribute in that way. Yeah, but like to me, like content is the sales. That's, I know. I mean, for sure. That's also my experience that this, that's a form of uh, inbound marketing, right? You get the yeah. people come to you. Yeah. It's yeah. a much more scalable and it's a much better way of marketing. Yeah. Um, and yet there will be people who will say, oh, I can, like, I have 10 people I can sell your offer to. This is awesome. Like, I'll yeah. go and get yeah. them right yeah. away, you know? And it yeah. would also be kind of silly to, to not take advantage of that. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm down for that. If people think they want to do that and um, we want to do that, that's cool. But maybe we'd, we'd have to see like maybe what the projects are like, what the difference is like between the projects that have come to us because I've read the content and think we're good or the, the, the projects that have been sold to. Because mm. sometimes I could imagine like these would be like, have like different relationships. Maybe. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, I agree. It with flow because as in not not disagreeing with you lovis but i'm just saying uh i think flow's right that the the difference the, the the projects that come through different channels different funnels will might be different in nature not saying that one's better or not but we will see in time 
because yep. in a way when somebody reads read some content and then comes on board it's almost like they're already sold whereas um yes. if a lead comes in with a person that might it, it might not be so far along the line of being a qualified lead 100%. but doesn't mean it won't get qualified by us right that's true yeah it'll be interesting right so um maybe also we we don't want people to bring in leads until they are level two you know it's like no sorry but you know we're not interested in you selling our stuff until you're level two like shadow mode you know and and what would they do i mean like once they've become a contributor currently we, there's no avenue of contribution for purely sales right so would they like what would it do they would get in to contributor level with their proof of work <laughs> by bringing in a, a, a client or potential client. And then what are they going to do at that level? There's not much that they could do. There, there's no sales uh, guy that they could shadow because we don't have any. So all the, all the paths lead to content creation um, or education or like DAO work. Well, but if I they think. bring in a client, um, then that client, assuming the client converts, then there'll be a project to do, right? So then they can help on contributor level. They can then help. They wouldn't probably handle the project themselves, but they could help with back office tasks, research, you know, help working that client project. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. help the yeah. core contributor to do a good job delivering yeah. it. Yeah. And, and by doing that, right? I mean, this is also the question at which level are you? able to get someone well, this is again this assumptions on top of assumptions right but assuming we'll do a revenue breakdown that looks like this for rewards um it's a very colorful pie chart for the ones <laughs> looking <laughs> right there's a colorful pie chart with a bunch of different things like bringing in a lead gives you a chunk a conversion gives you a chunk doing client facing work doing back office tasks would give you a chunk of the re project revenue but from which level are you able to earn uh, revenue shares basically is this only yeah. for core yeah. contributors or is this be beforehand it's another thing we need to figure out i think there needs to be a separation otherwise there's no um reason to become a core contributor and like okay. delivering this like quality and taking on more responsibility so maybe but maybe you could do it where then core contributors can tip or something like that yeah 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 they get maybe like a every project has like a, a tipping budget or something i don't know or mm. or we we'll had this idea yeah where people who shadow they don't get paid on the first engagement but then on the second one they get like double the pay mm -hmm. or you only get like a certain percentage so maybe the shadowing is like you have different ranks and then you've done uh shadowing for this amount of time then you you're eligible for like 10% of the pay, then 20, 30, and then it kind of moves up. I don't know. We have to, that's something we just have to have to work out, I guess, once we get there. And we also have to remember, right? Like while we're coming up with these incentives and mechanisms, sometimes I'm not saying that we're going down the wrong track at all, but the, it's also just to keep in mind that the simple, simple solutions always best, right? And the more things we put on, it might, get confusing for for uh, some of the people right yeah. so 
as simple as we can make it what should also be um a design criteria i would say yeah yeah yep. to keep that in mind right it's i mean so for me personally these discussions are also only intellectually interesting to a point um because once we have a model i'm much more interested in using it and yeah producing content and working client projects and building education and you know so yeah. like there will be people who are fascinated by the DAO structure thing and kind of want to optimize that forever but yeah. it's not me for example like i'm interested yeah. right now because it's very nascent <laughs> to like build it from zero but then once it's once we have something that even remotely works i'm happy to just drive the car rather than keep yeah. building yeah. it and the cool thing is i mean we're doing this we got this cohort and the cohort will bring people into this level too um yeah. and we don't have a token yet right so there's still a lot that we can design and work on so um yeah i think that's that's going to be the interesting thing we can really trial this and get to that stage um and then figure things out yeah i think on that note we've done like almost an hour and 45 so i think yeah Good brainstorming sesh for today. <laughs> Recorded brainstorming session. Cool. I think that, uh, yeah, I hope that was useful. Um, I found it useful to go through the stuff um, that we're discussing. I'm still working on this article. By the time the podcast comes out, it's probably um, done. So, uh, yeah, um, you can then read about it out there so yeah thanks for this and yeah. comment and give 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 us any help you might think we might need because any inputs good for us at this point exactly so we have regular calls scheduled at this point uh several times a week anybody can join a discord and jump on the calls they have we even have them spread out over all the time zones imaginable so it's pretty easy and yeah, come and tell us. Maybe there's already a model and we can just plug and play it and we don't have to think about all this stuff. <laughs> we have to have something cool. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. Good. Cool. Let's wrap it up. Um, Thanks, everyone. <laughs>